Hi everyone, it's Tom from Sports Coach 365. You'll notice a change in the title there. And uh, uh, welcome to the very next pod, uh, podcast, which we're going to call Lives in Sport and Psychology. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined today by my friend David Charlton, who's a performance psychologist for uh, his business Inspiring Sporting Excellence. He's got a keen interest in developing mental toughness in athletes and coaches. And he's also a podcast host. Um, and his podcast is called Demystifying Mental Toughness. He is a self-confessed Toonami member, a Newcastle United fan. Um, he's also a recent touring caravan owner, which has given him a bit of independence uh, to use his weekends and going travelling around uh, the UK. He's a husband and father of two young children and just a general all-round great guy. Welcome to the, the podcast, David, and thank you very much for making time. Fabulous, and um, I think we're going to try to stick to our little uh, methodology of just asking that first question, um, and this is uh, really about giving you the opportunity to reflect back on that time where you first uh, remember getting involved or finding an interest in sport in some capacity, Dave. So, over to you. Yeah, I suppose this takes me back to my my youth, but when I was, what, seven, eight, nine years old, and, and really... Yeah, kicking a football around the, the, the local streets um, as unfortunately kids don't really do so much now um, yeah I just remember as soon as what school finished get changed get the gear on or straight out into the street and then um, yeah you'd be playing for hours on end um, my mum would give me a shout to come in for tea no no I don't want to come in for any tea I get dragged in for tea and then I'd be straight out again for, for a couple of hours and yeah, I absolutely loved it, loved it. Okay, I mean that, that was football but yeah, I played played cricket and golf and like any any sport you name I played it when I was a kid. And what 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 or who was it do you think that kind of um got you hooked? So when you were out kicking a ball around in the streets and didn't want to come in even for tea? Who were you imagining um, yourself playing like? Oh, that's a good one. Um, well, it certainly wouldn't in those days be a Newcastle United <laughs> player. <I don't> <laughs> Maybe, yeah, I think I was a little bit older when Gaza came on, came in tune. Um, so, so, yeah, it would be, when I think back, yeah, Kenny Dalglish. Mm-hmm. I, I was a Liverpool fan for a, for a few weeks. Then I turned to a Man United fan for a bit and then I was a Liverpool fan I, was, I, I didn't know who I wanted to support so yeah I think it would be Kenny Dalglish would be the, the one at the time um, yeah and I mean as far as like getting involved in sport my, my dad and my uncle they, they both love the sport um, both well they both were talented um, golfers my uncle used to be an ex-professional footballer um, so so yeah, it was you know it was it was on the TV. It still is on the TV all of the time, and yeah, I got dragged along here, there, and everywhere with them, which was uh, was great fun. Yeah, I think there's a common denominator for for the people that um, I've chatted with over the last few months. That you know, it's it's certainly um, the fact that within the family there was already an interest at uh, parent or uncle or auntie or um, or mum, and 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 that's had a, a part to play, but. 
but yeah, I, I can I can relate to you in terms of you know kicking a ball about in the streets, and uh, I, I remember doing similar things, and uh, and also um, I even remember I don't know whether you did this, uh, but uh, when Wimbledon came on, um, I'd 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 get out a, a racket, and ra- I mean I say racket, it wasn't really a racket, but it was kind of resembled a racket, and I'd I'd put a bit of chalk on uh, the back end of our sort of um, garage wall, uh, and imagine that was the net. Uh, and I'd and I'd whack uh, tennis balls um, back over that net, imagining that I was playing in Wimbledon. I don't know whether that's something that uh, you did or you had friends who did, or whether it was just me being strange. <laughs> no, you definitely weren't strange. Uh, yeah, I can re- remember doing that. So I would do the same with a football as well, because yeah, we had a we had a wall um, in the back of our garage. I'm talking about caravans. Uh, you obviously you nicely introduced that. We used to have a static caravan up on the North Northumberland coastline up in Beedenall. Oh, is beautiful! A, yeah, I know Beedenall. Yeah. And I remember spending hours and days doing the like the Olympics um, myself. So I'd be I'd be on the beach with a with a rock. That's my shot put. I'd be you know, throwing a, a discus. Um, doing long jumps in the sand, triple jumps, and I'd have my, my notepad. I'd be, you know, I'd, I'd be the Great Britain, USA, um, Canada, whatever it was, and doing that sort of stuff. As well as when I when I got into golf, um, I'd, I'd be often if I was playing by myself, I'd be often uh, commentating, uh, pretend I'm Jack Nicklaus um, or Sebi Ballesteros or Nick Faldo or something like that in those days. Um, yeah. uh, sounds so, sounds very similar. I mean, we, we we've got to know each other quite well over the last uh, couple of years. But um, yeah, reflecting on childhood doesn't exactly come into our uh, conversations yet. But uh, when you were up in Beedenall, I was down at Saunton Sands in uh, in Devon, North Devon, um, and we would uh, that would be our sort of favourite day out. Would be to go to the beach there, um, and invariably that's you know in Olympic years that's exactly what I did. And I even remember I think. I did the commentary not so much on golf. I did commentary on cricket, um, but uh, um, I also I think I wrote down uh, my predictions of uh, medalists at uh, you know uh, Olympics years ago um, when um, you know when I was hoping that uh, uh, Britain would uh, would you know would do well, but we didn't do well at the time. It's more recently that we've had more success with medals, uh, but yeah, and I would I would try to picture myself either being a sprinter which i don't know why because i was never very good at uh, running fast um or or an athlete on the field um so yeah something similar but doing those kind of things on the beach and up in the dunes as well um would be where where we'd kind of play my sister and i would be doing similar things because she was quite sporty as well so so golf tell us a little bit about golf then um and cricket as well as your football and, and your athletics so golf and cricket how did those sports develop over time I know that's your your big sport. Um, I, I wasn't someone who played a great deal of cricket as a as a kid. Unfortunately, um, I played. I suppose I messed around with my with my mates more than anything else. I didn't get involved in a club, although I had like close friends who who were members of of clubs just in in the area. Um, I, I think I put it put it down. I don't know. My dad wasn't into cricket um, and still isn't to this day. Um, and I found I was like quite talented at football and quite talented at golf. So 
it was a case of yeah, time demands really um, yeah. took me away from actually playing it properly but it's a, a sport now I would say it's my favourite sport for watching in all honesty t- to this day um, be it 2020 test cricket one day I just I'll just love the different intricacies of the sport um, but getting back to golf yeah it's, I think it's fair to say that that has followed me from what being 10 years old or so um, I've had times where I haven't played the game um, just because of time demands and different things going on in my life but um, yeah I suppose it, it is a lifelong sport you can be playing until you're what you're in your 70s and 80s and I hope that is the case for me um, it's funny though because I was I was really really serious on it I wanted to be a professional golfer and like, looking back I would say part, part of it was mental toughness mindset confidence um, you know I'd worry too much about other people um, I was I would procrastinate when it came down to trying to organise my time for, for practising and um, all those sort of little factors got, got in the way um, and now when I was at that, I did take it really really seriously probably until my early 30s and then life changing experience and I've got a, like a very different attitude now um, anyway like now I'm, I'm at the lowest handicap I've ever been I'm the best I've ever played, and I don't actually play that often. I play once a week, once a fortnight, practice a little bit. Um, it's it's really strange um, in comparison to the the kid who put hours and hours and hours of time into it. Um, so so yeah, I think I put too much pressure on myself. Uh, that was that was the the big the big problem. And uh, the the, the certainly the sports psychology skills have, have definitely helped uh, my game. So what's your what's your handicap now? So it's two now. Two. Yeah, two. Yeah, and it was I was off five handicap when I was about fifteen, and really I didn't really get much better for what you're talking through. I was like five four handicap through till probably mid twenties, and then had a dip out of the game. Came back and. I then took coaching seriously, and I got a got a coach, a coach once a month. Um, I came back as a seven handicap at that point, and got down to the verge of a two handicap over about a three year period. Um, and then yeah, yeah, life. My wife got diagnosed with cancer, and that just yeah stopped playing uh, for about eighteen months. I couldn't couldn't even imagine playing the game. Um, I was in. Yeah, uh, all over the place, basically. But that's, I mean, that's a um, an amazing ability to to maintain that level of of, uh, of handicap uh, for that period of time. Um, where, where did you where did you start playing then? Because uh, you know, for up in the northeast, what club would you were you a member of? Yeah, um, yeah. My, so my parents still play there now. It's Brighton Golf Club. It's yeah, just a, a small, very yeah, very small club. Um, and I've played it. Very, very tight golf courses, yeah. at least there, railway lines in, in the river. Um, but I don't, I don't play there anymore. I play at Tyneside Golf Club, which is just at the top of the hill. Um, and arguably, it's uh, 
there was a little bit more room there you can free up and um, yeah relax a little bit more um but I've played both, I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I was a member at Hexham, um, oh, yeah. which is not that far away, I don't think, from from that neck of the woods. But um, but yeah, I played right, and yes, yeah, it's, it's both those are uh, up high, aren't they? Uh, well, Brighton's down in the valley. It's right next to the river. And then oh, okay. The the right, I've got it the wrong way around. Yeah. Yeah, t- yeah. Tyneside's where I play at now. Is a is a, a lovely, yeah, lovely track, lovely golf course, which. I couldn't. I couldn't play when I was younger. I, tr- I tried, and I was a member for a, a couple of years. But yeah, um, again, I think those psychological demons at the time got in the way. Just uh, I just wasn't able to free myself up and, and play the game. Too busy worried about what other people were thinking. So what? So what was it that um, got your interest uh, into um, psychology then? Um, so I was. I suppose I was always interested from a, a young age, from the what the nineteen twenty um, years old. I would you know I'd read little books. It was probably more around hypnosis at the time. Um, and then what early twenties? Uh, Tony Robbins, uh, yeah. some of his things. Um, got like well into to reading Tony Robbins stuff. And I can funny enough, I remember reading a it was a cricket coaching book from. Uh, one of the Chapel brothers, and because I got I got into football coaching and different sports coaching, and yeah, when I when I read the if I look back at it now, that book, it was a yeah, it was highly about you know about um, sports psychology and you know simulating un, being under pressure and, and then things like that. So so yeah, that's when the interest began. But then yeah. I, I, I didn't, I suppose, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my, my, my life. Uh, um, I wanted to be a, what, a golf, a tour professional, which was unrealistic, I suppose. But then I think I probably would have made quite a good golf coach. But for whatever reason, that didn't happen. I got knocked back a couple of times and I just didn't have the like the what the mental toughness the strength mental strength at the time to sort of rise above that and then keep on going so so yeah i ended up in the travel industry for a good what 12 13 years or so before big life event changed yeah changed my life and um and then my career direction and so at that point when um when you're describing there um where did the direction of travel go take you then in terms of the of your career from out of the travel industry into what yeah so so yeah in the travel industry my last job I was a branch manager in corporate business travel and this was in in 2008 my wife had got diagnosed with cancer um she she died in the sorry it was 2007 she got diagnosed with cancer died in the what the november of 2008 and during that what 15 month period i i did a was i wasn't working for for a while i went off sick for a while mm. then i started just working three days a week and i did like an open university course in psychology okay that was i was aware you know Obviously, I was going to have a future, um, and I was sort of testing the water to see if the, the old brain in my, my early 30s would still uh, work, if I could write essays and things like that. 
and it was it was hard work because naturally it was a emotional time anyway fast forward to 2009 uh, six months after she died and um i got made redundant from my job it was the the time of the recession and yeah. it was a case of well actually right okay this is either your opportunity you you take it you go a completely different track the psychology route or you you know you stick and and remain comfortable i suppose because i could add a role with the same company in a like different position and um, would have had to re- relocate um so yeah i decided right now i'm going for the dream i want to be a sports psychologist and um off i went to sunland of all places no oh, no <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i did a degree there um, did a master's degree at northumbria uni and then two years another two years worth of supervised practice so seven years long old route and finally got chartered and where we talking now before four and a half years ago um yeah the best best decision i've ever made blooming hard really really difficult times obviously um for, for me to be doing it but uh yeah love it absolutely love it and for for anybody who who's listening and you know i mean uh, again, I, I didn't uh, know that part of your uh, part of your life. So um, you know, um, thank you for for being so um, so honest in sharing that uh, that very sort of sad period of your life. But to to kind of come through that and um, and seeing that you had a choice or not an option to to go for it down the psychology route, but or play it safe. Uh, looking back, um, what what do you think it was that kind of um gave you the confidence or gave you the courage uh to be that brave um and to you know to take the plunge <laughs> very good question I, th- I think really it was it was the fact that you know yeah my wife had I'd, I'd watched her suffer and um and die and i just i realized look you only get one shot at this and your life can be very cruel it can be very short and yeah, I decided that. But I suppose again, after listening to Tony Robbins and things like that, um, I listened to quite a lot during those periods. So it was a case of like, you know, you are the master of your destiny. Mm. There's only you can make that decision, those choices. So, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get stuck worrying too much and thinking about the consequences of that decision. Um, had a you know, had I known what I do now, um, and some of the you know difficulties, I don't know. Maybe maybe I would have overthought it and not done it. I don't know. Um, you know, just for me, I worked in the travel industry for a long time, so I was I was privy to a lot of perks. So we'd go on holiday like four times a year, pretty much, staying in nice hotels, getting lovely upgrades in the business class and stuff like that. And I think I for a period for this what the seven year period um of trying to qualify i went went abroad twice i think um that was it and that was that was a massive thing to me because i love just getting out and exploring things mm-hmm. and just getting the caravan now yeah so that that was difficult you know i was grieving um and i went into an environment where there was me who was 33 I can't remember I was thir- yeah, 34 I was um, environment of a bunch of 18 year olds basically 19 year olds going through a difficult period 
and um, yeah, I mean maybe it helped because they were you know basking in the fun of going out and, and getting hammered and uh, what have you as students do. So maybe I didn't get, I didn't, I didn't, I mean I wasn't living on campus, so I was having to travel, so I didn't get into that, you know that that cycle. Um, but yeah, maybe being around those people helped us in some some way, although I probably didn't appreciate it at the time. Um, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, carry on. I've lost my train of thought. I'll let you. Uh, no, no. I just, I, I just, I just think that um, it's, it's, it's not a, um, an insignificant thing that you, you did. You know, bearing in mind that you just, uh, in, you know, in the process of uh, coming to terms and grieving about your wife, uh, to then uh, decide that you were going to leave an industry that you've been in for twelve years and put everything on hold to um, invest in your education. Uh, and go back to you know go back to university as somebody who was you know ten twelve years older than uh, everybody else. It was yeah a pretty significant um, uh, step forward and a, a very brave one. So it, uh, I suppose it's kind of reflecting on that. Um, you 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 referenced uh, T- Tony Robbins and his kind of um, mantras of uh, overcoming personal tragedies and uh, setbacks and and kind of taking control of of things for yourself because nobody else can. Uh, maybe that maybe that's the thing that uh, people need to to listen who are listening to this need to take away as a as a kind of a positive and an opportunity for themselves. Um, but when 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 so seven years, you know, in terms of studying during that course of time, did you have a particular specific goal in mind? You know, a, akin to your you know, earlier goal of wanting to be a tour professional golfer or um you know a coach did you did you think to yourself as you were embarking upon this study right i'm going to uh, at the end of this i am going to be x or y what what were your goals or objectives yeah so i suppose you know the dream um would have was to to get through that seven year period to to be a chartered sports psychologist that that that's that was the dream however on top of that was the right i want to work with some real top names here, be it Olympic athletes, um, you know, the, the dream would and still is is to go to say the Masters um, in Augusta, to to be involved in the IPL, things like that. You know, that that is the the ongoing dream. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, where am I going? So that yeah, that was that was the dream. But I've got to say, during that period of time, though, the you know, my self-talk was not good on, on occasions, probably kind of grieving and, you know, there was a lot of self-doubt first year of the, of the, of university. Can I, can, you know, can I do this? Mm. You know, I got through first year. Can I do second year? Can I do third year? Then, right, great. I got a 2-1, um, which is pretty, pretty good. Uh, in my eyes, it is. Um, Very good, yeah. Then Masters, can I, can I, can I do the masters? And I was always questioning and doubting myself, and God, it was exhausting. <laughs> um, to 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 the point, I can remember I was doing the when you do the stage two qualification to get chartered. At the very end of the two year period, you've you've submitted a whole lot of case studies. You've done ridiculous amount of work um, in terms of across a range of sports, from young to old, individual sports, team sports. You've worked with parents, coaches. You've reflected on everything you've done, and um, 
so the end of it you you get a you submit all your 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 work and then you've got to do a viva so an interview mm. and I can remember just the interview was in Leicester and I'm thinking all right this is seven years worth of work on the line here at the time putting myself under a ridiculous amount of pressure for this interview and uh yeah I just yeah if I was going to offer myself some advice it would just be just chill out a little bit and have some faith in yourself back yourself a bit more why, why, why do you think it is uh, that? Because, I'm sure again, people listening can relate to it. That that that's a negative self talk. That self doubt. I personally probably um, can uh, can you know I can agree agree with that wholeheartedly. Looking back on my career um, and and life um, at many many stages, and probably still to this day, um, you know, have quite a lot of self doubt. So why why do you think many of us are programmed like that? Natural. Um, I think if you if you read the the research out there, we have what, somewhere around about eighty to one hundred thousand thoughts per day. Yeah. And and what about eighty five percent of those are, are negative. So right. Okay. It, it is very very natural. Um, but then you've got what um, factors out out of your control really your upbringing. If you've got a, a critical parent there, if you've got that critical teacher coach or you know you, you you bring up these these uh, images don't you in, in your head i mean I, I can think back to to um what being being a comprehensive school being what 12 13 years old and i can remember getting berated off of a school teacher because um i had a poor game of football and that was that that was that, that was 30 odd years ago mm. these just these and obviously it's it's like the, the negative emotion that's attached to that um they they they, get, they then get stored in the memory bank and you remember a lot of these critical things um and yeah i suppose based around that you know i've i've had to do a lot of work on myself really and i've i've, I've um i've embraced mindfulness i've embraced things like gratitudes um I do a weekly little reflection, very short reflection log to, to help with my, my self-talk because it'll still, it just, it still hits us from time to time. That's just, that's just natural. Um, but yeah, if I was, yeah, if I was offering any advice to people around, who are very tough on themselves, then like, you know, journaling, things like I mentioned their gratitudes and, and mindfulness. Really Positives, your successes, yeah, definitely do that. It, it really does have a big impact on your on your life. Do Do you think? I mean, I'm, we're going kind of going off in some interesting uh, directions here. Um, uh, but um, what about as a parent now? Um, your children are. Did you say three and six? Yeah. So whilst they're very young, but uh, yeah, th- I think your point there about a critical parent or a critical coach or teacher um, at a very young, impressionable age. Um, can and does have long-lasting impacts on on many people, uh, notwithstanding the quite staggering statistic of eighty-five percent of you eighty thousand thoughts a day are not positive. So, so, um, so from a parenting perspective, what what has it taught you? <laughs> right. Okay. Where do we, where do we start? <laughs> <laughs> so, I think you know the, the first thing is. 
it's been like supportive it's been patient caring loving in effect that is your your role as a parent isn't it it's very easy to or internal stressors be work stressors relationship stressors the just different things to to erode that patience and for you then to snap and then to be you know quite critical of you of your kids um it in all honesty this is seems to be a big part of my work at the moment is working with kids and with parents and i'm blogging and podcasting quite a lot about it and so from a, getting back to the, I suppose, the question, my, my kids on, I suppose, and the older ones just get involved now in sport. Um, and the, the, the role of the sport parent is something I'm now having to, to deal with. And I'm, I'm trying to hear my own, my own advice, but it, it's very difficult because let's face it, sport, results, winning, egos, they're all the, they just rocket your emotions upwards, don't they? Um, then throw in the fact that you're your own flesh and blood playing that sport. Um, the emotions go up higher and higher. So again, having that self control and that that patience is is such a such a big thing. And and again, just remembering that your your role as the parent is to provide the love, the the affection, the support, um, and possibly I'd, I'd be saying. Remember the coach is the coach. He's the he's the expert in the sport, or she's the expert in the sport. So let them do their thing. Um, I mean, it was a it was a, a double edged question because I know that uh, you know a lot of your work currently, or since we've got to know each other, has been in that area where it's um, it's young it's young athletes, and therefore <clears throat> and it's not only the coach's impact and influence, but the parents' impact and influence. Um, and yeah, I would probably agree your your younger one is is a little bit too young, but uh, but even at six, I think um, and you know that it's formative years of kind of being a kind of a you know a human sponge um, and absorbing everything from um, those people who influence them most. That being parents in in your case, um, so I, I mean I, I I love what you said there. I think one of the things for me because uh, our children are a little bit older. Um, but I know I'm not the most patient person and yet I'm striving as best I can to be, you know, as good a parent as I can showing those elements and characteristics that you described so eloquently being supportive, loving, showing affection. Uh, but because of the sport element, you're right that you kind of the, that it brings out the best and the worst in you, I think sometimes. And, uh, but that, that um, very simple lesson or that very simple, simple message of separating parenting from coaching so that that combination of if anybody listening to this can relate to it where you have got a passion for whether it's giving back or you you still you actually are a professional coach but you also have kids and your kids are in your team or you're coaching your kids that is a very very difficult combination um and i remember i remember um um a coach at uh, at Everton Academy saying to me um, a few years ago, best advice I can ever give you, Tom, is try not to be his coach, try not to be his teacher, just be his dad and his friend, uh, and let and let you know, like you say, trust the process, trust the people around uh, that they they know what they're doing, um, and I think that's probably the best that uh, I've come I've heard al- alongside what you've just said. Um, yeah, no, I, I'd agree. 
great, but yeah, it is. It's very difficult, isn't it? I suppose as a as a parent, if your if your maybe son or daughter is involved in a club and they're they're crying out for a coach, I don't know, a team falls flat, and then all of a sudden they're, they're like, right, go on, there you go, and you're thrust into the to the limelight, knowing fine well if you don't do it, then nobody else is going to do it. It's it's it is very very hard. Um, so what? Yeah, so, so tell it. Tell us. Tell us a little bit about the work you're doing uh, now, and and where you want to see your work going to. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, what's well, so the work I'm doing now? Um, in some ways, COVID is well, not in some ways. In lots of ways, COVID's been a good thing. Um, in 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 the fact that people are now very open to to this well video calls using zoom so it means that um, i'm supporting people all, all around the world basically um and a big and high high percentage of that is is supporting kids and certainly when you when you look at those the uk people that i'm supporting football is uh, is the biggest sport um so yeah football is the the biggest sport so the vast majority of my clients would be in football academies or they would be like on the, the edges, the fringes of football academies or they're being booted out of football academies. Um, the types of problems that they bring to the table would be often like performance anxiety. So they're able to train very well um, play with their mates uh, very well, but then when it comes down to the, the real thing in matches, they just can't transfer those skills. So, so my job's to, to help free them up so they can go out and express themselves on, on the football pitch. And generally, when it comes down to the football pitch um, bit and expressing yourself, it's it's often very simple in terms of it's like look working at their communication skills or demanding asking for the ball. Um, secondly, just you know, getting them to remember if, if they want to actually receive the ball, then they've got to move. So, you know, move, find space. That would be the, you know the second thing. Um, the third thing, obviously, is being fearless and brave, and and highlighting the fact that often their expectations are completely out of sync. Um, classic example there would be you know. Look at, look at Ronaldo and these top strikers around. They might have, um, what, 20 shots at goal and only score twice. So they've missed 18 times, but they just keep coming back and back and back and back. Lots of kids don't do that. They, they miss once, the head goes down, miss twice. That's it. The game's over for them. Um, ties are out the pram and um, the TF ball, they just can't concentrate. So that's a huge, huge part of my work, as well as working with professional golfers and then some yeah, professional footballers as well. And and your your dream still remains to the saying that you want to work with those top uh, athletes in the you know in the professional environment, um, as well as obviously supporting kids. So, um, how how close are you getting to that um, aspiration of? Uh, going to the Masters and um, and working with one of the, the top golfers? Um, so I've been lucky enough to support some golfers on the European Tour and 
yeah, I've been to the well, to the British Open. Right. Um. So so yeah, I've I'm 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 there um to a point, maybe not quite where where I want to get to. Um, you know, I've supported international footballers. Um, again, maybe not as many as as I'd like to just yet. Um, but it's yeah, I don't know. It's a funny one. It's a it's a bit of a balancing act as well. Um, because when you when you work in at the top end, the I don't know the the stakes are much higher. The the um the emphasis on performance on the scoreline on results is is huge so if you don't make a positive impact pretty much immediately then yeah you, you're cold shoulder you're out the door um they're a lot more judgmental um whereas there seems to be a lot more patience when you're working with the the, the child um and in some ways it's quite it's maybe a lot more rewarding um working with a with working with a child i don't know you maybe feel like you're making a bigger difference because it's not just their sport it's on their their life as a whole their education and things like that so so i suppose yeah what i want to get to is a bit of a balance between the the two well i i mean I, it sounds already i'm sure everyone listening would agree that you've had an incredible journey so far um and um you're uh, progressing uh, and, and continuing with that learning and that journey as you're helping youngsters and older athletes at different levels um, and I, you know I'm sure everyone will join me in wishing you all the very best in continuing on that journey and that path and uh, you know and, and continuing to add value to uh, to others as well as um, incorporating those those methods such as you know, mindfulness, gratitude, more positive self-talk uh, than in, in the past um, and enjoying some time in the caravan with the family to uh, to escape uh, Zoom um, and uh, you not know, being able to switch off from uh, from all those uh, consultations and, and just have a bit of time to your, to yourself. So thank you again, uh, Dave, for uh, for making the time and just, just sharing a little snapshot into into your personal and professional life and, and all the very best uh, with all your ongoing um, projects. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, Tom. I've really enjoyed the, the conversation. And yeah, again, I wish you well with your, this new podcast. If it's as successful as the cricket podcast, then it'll, yeah, it'll touch many lives. Well, thank you very much. And uh, it, yeah, we'll, we'll be looking to, um, to, to launch this uh, around about the beginning of October and if any, you know, those people who love, love it, then please share and like, and, and let's see if we can get a few more people into the, into the community around sports coach three, six, five Dave, Thanks ever so much.